and we are here. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me in the studio, I have Assembly Member Wade Bryson. Wade, how are you? Jordan, it is so great to be in the studio today. I know. I mean, you're taking a bit of a break, but it is nice to have you back in your other major capacity. It is good to see you, Jordan. And so, my first question for you is, what are some of the big things that the Assembly's been working on? I know, I think, was there a meeting earlier this week, or was that last week? Uh, well, the good news about the city is we have meetings every week. Um, you know, the the Yakelhop uh, event yes. of the end of, uh, or the very beginning of August, um, that has you know, uh, dominated a lot of our conversations, public works and facilities. We got the update on Stabler's, uh, point rock quarry and how the city's connected to rock and, you know, what we can and can't do with rock. And, uh, another entity actually operates the rock pit. So it's not Juno CBJ's municipal rock to give away. It's someone else's rock. Um, you know, we got the glaciologist and the fluvial geomorphologist uh, from the feds that study that talked about uh, the suicide basin draining and the river uh, reaction and you know what are we looking at um, it's going to be something that we deal with in the future uh, suicide ice basin used to be filled with ice and if you've got a uh, let's just take a bowl of, uh, a bowl of water that you put in your freezer it's all the way frozen there's not a lot of extra water you can fit in that bowl that's why prior to 2011 there weren't that many Yakelhop major events so now it's more like a bowl of uh more like a, a cup of ice uh that you can put a beverage in you can fit a lot of water into a cup of ice and that's why we're experiencing that so that's uh, that's been a uh, predominant topic uh, as of uh, recent Gotcha. Now, I did watch some of that actual meeting about the, some of the, the science there, and I saw that there was a number of different ideas proposed to sort of help manage that going forward. I know one of the most notable ones, because it ended up becoming a, a Empire headline, was a bomb. Someone brought up that one? I think the best comment came from the city manager when he said it would be awfully hard to get that permitted. Uh, he got a uh, an audible chuckle from me because we're government we have to behave with governmental rules and it's not the, the bomb would actually make the problem worse because if we got rid of the rest of the ice that is in the ice basin, we would only have larger Yakelhop events. So gotcha. I did, there's not a permanent solution. Uh, the good news is, is that Juno is once again going to be at the forefront of glacier dam outburst science so the people that want to know about glacial outbursts will come here because we have the the most recognizable accessible event that is in a phase where it's going to happen repeatedly so after the major flood that did all the damage the following saturday there was another glacier dam outburst release except for that it only went to seven feet instead of 15 and so it wasn't even really noticeable but things like that are going to happen more often gotcha my next question for you well actually now before i move on i know one other idea someone proposed was like making it like drilling into that but that seemed very impractical as well so the same physiology that is damming up the normal drainage system of ice basin 
is the same thing that would clog up a drain. So we have mining companies that do that. They could dr- they could drill right through the bottom of that rock, but because they can't, they don't know what's at the bottom of all that ice. They also know that the suicide ice basin changes regularly. And so what is the answer this year might not be the answer in the few years. So they could go through all that trouble of digging a hole, be a pretty darn expensive hole to drill and it could end up being completely ineffective. Um, there's a small example of this where they did like, a over in France or Switzerland and they dug a trench and then, you know, that was one of the suggestions. And so let me ask you, which are we going to just disrupt duck Creek? Are we just going to put a trench down where duck Creek is? Cause that would be the, the trench option. So there's not a lot of practical options to deal with mother nature on this scale. Right. And that seemed to be the common theme that I was gathering from that was, you know, there's only so much you can, you know, really plan for. And even with that planning, how well is that going to be effective in the long term? I've got a great example and I've used this in the city. Um, my brother lives in the outer banks, North Carolina, a little small archipelago uh, on the coast of the Carolinas similar uh, land geography or size to Juno, but they're right on the ocean and they don't have, they're not in the archipelago like we are. And so every house is built on stilts. They're like, we can't beat mother nature. So we just build so that she does not wreck us every time mother nature comes through. And there's, there's probably a little bit of that that's going to be required to take place too. How do we build near the river if we know that Yakalhop events are going to be more frequent and could be of higher volume in the future? Gotcha. Now, the next topic I want to talk with you about, sort of from that same meeting or that same night of meetings, I should say, was there was more discussion around uh, Telephone Hill and how that I got some snippets of audio from that, which included, you know, sort of summarizing what the public comment period was for that open house that happened last month. So I want to get your take on that. The city is moving through that as tepidly as possible. They are tiptoeing to the, through the development in this process of Telephone Hill. We have families that live on Telephone Hill. And I believe the city is trying to navigate this situation as sensitively to those families as possible. Um, We know that we're going to be displacing families. They've lived in those homes. But at the same time, government cannot be allowed to benefit a small individual group. Like it wouldn't be, I mean, the city could not continue to lease these homes in these conditions at these lease rates. It just it would be illegal to do that. Um, the city has a law that we have to do everything at fair market value. And so just the city letting them continue their leases at their existing lease rates was like that, that sensitivity that we have to them. So um, I don't know what the final product is going to be. I know that they are being very cautious and uh, sensitive to the the citizens that will be impacted by this. Um, So I I believe they're trying to do it the right way. Okay. And then kind of to build off that topic, I mean, just even discussing housing with the city in general, was did that, I'm sure housing came up at least a little bit in the meeting, did it not? Well, we know that one of our primary goals is to increase housing in Juneau. 
and uh, I've, I've said before, we're kind of throwing the kitchen sink at helping incentivize housing. And uh, to everybody out there, be like, why are they doing this? Or why are they doing that? Or you shouldn't be doing this. Or, my advice to developers, don't complain about what we're doing for somebody else. Let us know what would help you develop either your land that you have or you know let's get you in, in the lands committee and find out let, let's w work with us and don't complain about what we're doing for other people let us know how we can help you develop your your homes um i'm not exactly sure why there's this stigma that they think that the cbj is like deliberately trying to prevent housing when i think all of our actions that we've done are trying to you know, increase housing and make it easier to build here. All the easy land has absolutely been taken. It would be foolish to think that we're uh, the city's sitting on like hundreds of acres of flat land, easily buildable. That's not the case. Um, the best example of land that we had available, Peterson Hill. Um, we took that land. It went through the public process. Uh, we did the city paid for the expensive infrastructure so that the land could then go and be developed. And we have a few of those things that are taking place right now. Okay. Now, one of my questions to kind of spawn off of that is, I know like you discussed, you know, a number of different projects before with me, both on the show and then, you know, just in general conversation. Would you say that in some, with some proposed locations, uh, NIMBYism plays a role, which for those of you who don't know what that term means, it's an abbreviation for the... Not, not in, in my, my backyard. backyard. Where if, you know, you folks are in favor of a project, just not near them. Yes. Uh, that has been a component of development in CBJ since I moved here in 1995. And uh, the best example, um, on Old Glacier Highway, what about a quarter of a mile south of Fred Myers, um, if you look on the uphill side, you'll see some houses being built. And that is the beginning of 440 units, uh, both homes, single-family homes, and multifamily housing, uh, multifamily buildings. 444? Are you kidding me? It's the thing that the community has been screaming for, and we have a developer who is building it, right? The one street that is just north of them had probably half a dozen residents come and say, don't build that in my backyard. I'm like, are you, hold on. You live next to the largest unbuildable land, flat uh, buildable land in that section of the, of Juno. And you're going to tell another developer, don't build homes near where my home is. Um, I think NIMBYism has lost a little bit of its influence that it had in previous years. Gotcha. Well, on that, we are going to move into our break. When we come back, we'll be talking more with Wade about what's going on with CBJ. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. We are back with more Action Line on KINY. Joining me still, I have Assemblymember Wade Bryson. Now, a question I had for you kind of stems from certain concerns or things that I've heard from folks where there seems to be this impression that there's a concern about a lack of transparency with the CBJ. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Is that coming from some of the candidates is that where you're getting that that has come from the candidates but i've heard it in other places as well so i've heard that and it kind of boggles my mind a little bit because one we've had problem corner connected to the assembly 
for the last six years. So I could literally answer for every single action that we did. And while people don't always like my answers, I absolutely can say this is exactly what we did and these are the reasons why we did what we did. Um, disagreeing with those doesn't make it intransparent or lack of transparency. Um, the other thing that I run into a lot is people will say a whole bunch of things that I will classify as inaccurate. And I'm like, well, where were you at the three-hour meeting where all of these details were answered? Like all your questions or all of the statements that you're making right now, we, we went over all of that. And so it's a little hard for me um, going to all the meetings and know that we just beat the beat every dead horse thoroughly in public meetings. And there have been uh, multiple occasions where at Committee of the Whole, where's our kind of our work session, where an idea will get raised. And then we're like, well, where's this coming from? And they're like, well, we can't talk offline. That's why I raised it here. Um, so this assembly does not communicate behind closed doors. Everybody's really good about it. I mean, we're, we're conscientious of that. Um, we have uh, an extreme public process that is guarded by members of the assembly. If we've done something a little too fast, there are one or two assembly members who are like, oh, wait a second, what about the public process? Where's public testimony going to fit into that? So when we're deciding an issue, we're not just deciding an issue. We're deciding, okay, how are we going to bring this issue along? Where are we going to get public input? Which meeting will go over all of these things? And so I would push back that we're trying really hard to get uh, involvement from the community. Um, I've asked repeatedly. I was really pushing for this when I was the chair of human resources. We want more public to participate in our uh, boards and committees. Juneau has more boards and committees than any other city in Alaska, meaning that we have more opportunities for citizens to participate in local government than any other city in Alaska, including the three cities that are larger than ours. So we're trying to get uh, more community involvement and not going to the meeting where we discussed everything for hours to then say we're not doing a public process during the public testimony. And I'm like, well, what about the two years of process that we just did on this? Uh, City Hall is a, probably the single best example. Um, we did public surveys. The radio station did a survey. We had more public testimony opportunities than I can even recall, and I led some of them. And, and now some of the objections are like, where's the public process? I'm like, oh, we just did that over the last two years. Where were you? So I, I know that sounds a little maybe condescending, but we're going to the meeting. We're talking about all this stuff in a public forum officially. And then the very next meeting I'll go to, it can, somebody could just state all these inaccuracies, inaccuracies from a meeting they didn't attend. I, mean, I, just, I, I don't know how to combat that. Gotcha. And I can see why that there could be some struggle there when you're trying to, you know, inform people with, you know, what's going on on the city's perspective. And then if you feel that people are not showing up and then they're saying things, then that could be problematic in your perspective of that. And it has. It's caused problems. Um, you know, people want their uh, 
emotional outbursts to be um, acknowledged. And yeah, gotcha. Well, having discussed that, I do kind of want to move away from that now. Sure. And one of the other sort of questions that I would have is, actually, I know exactly what I want to talk about. Let's talk about staffing. You know, there's various, I'm sure there's issues with various departments having staffing problems. I believe, you know, J, we know JPD's down like, I believe, 14 officers. They have 14 vacancies Something right like now. that, yeah. One of the lowest, uh, or one of the highest vacancy rates they've ever had. And so what are some things that the city is thinking about with maybe trying to tackle that or maybe even negotiating with, you know, our public safety folks about trying to get that sorted? See, Jordan, this is like the best example. This assembly has literally like done everything that we could to combat the lack of officers. We have a $25,000 new hire sign-on bonus. You want to become a police officer? We'll give you $25,000. Are you a police officer somewhere else? We'll give you $30,000 if you transfer to uh, JPD. Uh, we spent last year, feels like last year, it might not have been, uh, months discussing and negotiating and coming up with the police officer's uh, raise so that the police officers could stay competitive. Um, I met with the, the Chief Mercer, our previous Chief Mercer, like quarterly, uh, seeing where, the, where he was at in his recruitment efforts. And then one of his last... Uh, actions. He hired a recruitment company and we went ahead and made the investment to have a professional recruiting company make a video and, and do that extra level um, of recruitment to bring the level of JPD officers. There's no other activity that we could do that somebody's come up with and people said, hey, that's a good idea. Maybe we should try that. Like everything, every good idea that we could do to improve uh, JPD hiring we've given it a shot or we've tried it we've entertained it so there's when it comes to trying to get jpd hired man i feel like the police department's been empowered and uh, cbj has backed it up with the finance uh to let the chief do what he needed to do i mean there's i couldn't if we knew of other actions that could be done to help improve police recruitment we would entertain those too okay now, kind of spring and boarding off of that, I also know that, you know, the same, I think, actually, I'm going to borrow a question that was from the candidate for me. Go ahead, man. Because I think it was actually quite a good question that's still on that front. They were comparing what the actual going rates for, you know, these positions were compared to, like, say, Anchorage being the largest city in the state. Yep. And they were like, someone in Anchorage could be making, would almost equates to about, like, 20% more compared to what someone here in Juneau was making because the cost of living is about... When the cost of living in Juno is maybe about like 20% more than it is for Anchorage, if I'm remembering that correctly. Somewhere around there. That's about the right stat. You know, if you're depending on which t uh, area, um, that might vary a little bit from Juno to Anchorage. Um, the one thing I'd have to say to that is you'd have to go live in Anchorage. So. Which I have. Okay. So, you know, I might. <sighs> There's not going to be a good answer for that. Um, the assembly addressed the JPD raises in comparison to like state troopers and, and APD. And we took that into consideration when we were discussing what 
raise we could allow during the union negotiations. So those factors absolutely played into what can Juno do, and we tried to come up with the best answer possible. Gotcha. Now, my last big question for you ties back sort of in that same vein was just talking about, like, you know, cost of living in Juno and what are some things that, you know, the city might be able to do to try and maybe take a role in making those go down. All right. I'm gonna, we got to hit you with the truth here, Jordan. Costs will never go down. They don't. In the 25 years I've been in business, costs don't go down. The only thing you can do is maintain the, the same cost as long as possible. That's it. There's no, the hope that, uh, that costs will go down and we'll see cost cuts across the board. It would take a catastrophic event to, to change things like now. The best thing that we can do is maintain the cost of living that we have, not add to it. Um, are there a few things that Juno could do to remove the cost of living or lower it? There's probably a couple of extreme things we could do. Um, we could close a couple of schools, and it, I promise it would be schools that people would not want to close. Um, we could shut a pool, and the community has already said out loud and loudly, no, we're not closing a pool. So the city wants the services at the level that we provide them at now. Any attempt to reduce services less than the level that we are used to has been met with extreme opposition. The world inflation rate or the United States inflation rate was 16% last year. And Juno's budget only went up 6%. Now, I know that people just want to be mad at local government and say that we're, we're not spending wisely. And, uh, I mean, if it, we're, we live in an environment where the most logistically challenged city to do business in, and we were able to hold the line at just a 6% increase at a time when things were experiencing a 16% increase. And uh, when people say, well, just don't, don't raise those wages, so don't raise cop wages, don't raise planner wages, so that way we can't have pl planners staffed, don't raise parks and rec wages, so we can't utilize our parks and rec facilities, don't raise Eagle Crest wages, so we can't operate the ski resort. I mean, so all of these, you're not being transparent and you need to cut the thing. I've been looking for the last six years, and the single biggest thing that I found that could have cut the city budget and helped lower some costs was the downtown swimming pool. And uh, across the board, the community said, absolutely not. Do not even think about cutting the downtown swimming pool out. And, well, if you're not going to reduce the largest expenditure that could be, that's, that's not mandatory, I don't, I mean, it makes the other cuts harder. Gotcha. Well, with that, we are going to have to end the show. But, Wade, thank you for coming in and chatting with me. Uh, always a pleasure, Jordan. All righty. You've been listening to Action Line on KINY.